Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? This is the Black and Blue Report, and the Thursday edition is yours here from Studio B at the headquarters of the Saints and Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly. Glad to have you along here for the Thursday show. It is always my favorite day of the week because on Thursdays we speak with the men that will be calling the game on the radio. Of course, that means Jim Henderson for the New Orleans Saints. And today, Jim Donovan from the Cleveland Browns, one of our better ones in a while. Wow, Jim Donovan brings a lot of information for us with regards to the Saints and Browns this weekend. So Thursday is always a great day here on the show. And we'll also visit with Paris Harrelson. Uh, He's a a local guy, I guess, in some respect. We'll talk more about that when we get on later in the show. But the Mississippi native and I sat down yesterday in the locker room after practice. It was the first real long visit I've had with him. And it's yours today on Black and Blue Report. I think that you'll like uh, listening to what Paris Harrelson has to say and learning a little bit more about him. By the way, there's an event coming up on Monday. I guess that's the 15th. That is the uh, Moms uh, Safety Clinic, football safety clinic being put on by the New Orleans Saints. Featured speakers include Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis and Head Coach Sean Payton. I had not brought that up yet, um, but I wanted to on this Thursday. It gives you a little time to go to the website, neworleansaints.com. And check that out. It's going to be a really cool event. I think it's really important uh, for moms to be as involved as the dads are with regard to uh, their sons or daughters in some cases uh, playing tackle football. And so I think that's a really cool thing that the Saints are going to do on Monday. That's the 15th. And again, all the details are on the website, uh, NewOrleansSaints.com. Hey, good luck, by the way, to Team USA Basketball. They are in action today against Lithuania. A win today sets them up for the big games this weekend and the finale of the FIBA World Cup. And as uh, we heard from Anthony Davis and Coach Williams yesterday, those two and, of course, all the guys on the roster are proud to represent uh, the United States here on September 11th. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers continue to go out to those families and that city, those cities, I should say, affected by that tragedy, which... Now, some, in some ways, seems like a long time ago, and, and others still seems just like last week for some uh, that are still dealing with that tragedy. And, of course, we want them to uh, understand that we're with them today as we uh, broadcast here from the Gulf South and uh, have our own connections with all those in New York, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. 
So with that, we uh, will move on to the show. The Saints are practicing outside today in preparation for their uh, outdoor game on Sunday against the Browns. Uh, John and I will have a complete ra- uh, wrap-up of that on NewOrleansaints.com this afternoon. But in the meantime, we'll keep you uh, occupied with the uh, two voices and Paris Harrelson. And we'll start with the voice of the Browns, Jim Donovan, right after our first time out here on the Black and Blue Report. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. All right, welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Our visit with the voices starts up with Jim Donovan, the voice of the Cleveland Browns. He's been doing that what, since 1999, Jim, is that correct? Yes, uh, at the time when the Browns came back into the NFL, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a, a lot of different changes with the Browns through the years, but it's uh, it's always fun to do football in Cleveland. You have seen some waves, haven't you? I mean, really, there have been some true ups and downs with this franchise, and I get the sense right now, Jim, that things are on the uptick and people are pretty excited about the Browns. Well, they really are, and um, but there has been an awful lot of change, and I think that's the reason for all the futility through the years is that you just get going with one regime, and then all of a sudden a new regime comes in, and then it takes time for them to get the players and the coaching staff that they want in place, and then another regime comes in. Uh, and so it's really been kind of a you know a revolving door here in Cleveland. But um, it, I think people are very excited about the fact that uh, the Browns really seem to have a draft that really kind of clicked finally and that people are excited about, and they can see these players not only on the field right now, but for a long period of time. I mean, I think the fans here would like to really get attached to some players, but there have been so many players come in the door and out the door that it's been difficult to do that. So I think now there's a feeling that they have a core group of players that will be here for a long period of time, and hopefully that will be here and we can experience some winning with. Yeah, with that change, Jim, you know, Mike Patton becomes the 15th head coach in franchise history back in January. How well have you gotten to know him? Uh, very close. Uh, you know, he's been uh, he's a very good guy. Uh, you know, I think that uh, I first got to know him when he had kind of a starring role in Hard Knocks when he was the defensive coordinator for Rex Ryan with the New York Jets. And, and I can remember watching that and watching him perform, uh, you know, with his defensive unit. And, of course, that was a that was kind of a free-for-all that year with the New York Jets in training camp because they had a holdout with Darrell Rivas. So I was first exposed to him there. And then when he came to the Browns, um, he was really a long shot to get the job. I mean, you know, he was I – I don't even know if he was really on the first list of candidates for the job. But uh, when I got a chance to sit down and talk with him and watch him coach, he's very direct, he's very stern, a uh, very smart guy, uh, definitely a defensive guy. 
And uh, I think a guy that, uh, you know, if you really consider it, this is a guy that started out as a high school coach uh, back in Pennsylvania. And there aren't too many guys in the NFL that have done that. A lot of guys become a, are a player in the league and then become an assistant coach and then work their way up, hopefully, to become a coordinator. And who knows if they get to be a head coach. This guy was an audiovisual, uh, audiovisual teacher at a high school outside of Philadelphia, and he was a head coach. His dad was a famous high school coach in Pennsylvania, and he kind of took up the trade. So uh, he's a very interesting story. Um, but, uh, you know, he's got, a, he's got a whale of a job in front of him here in Cleveland, and I hope they give him the time to do it. Yeah, I think that would be fantastic, you know, for that franchise and to have some stability for sure. Um, Jim, you know, it's interesting. The last time the Saints and the Browns played, I want to say that Rob Ryan was the defensive coordinator for the Browns in that Cleveland win. Um, what are your recollections of Rob's time in uh, in Cleveland? It was blitz, blitz, blitz. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, uh, they really tried to put an awful lot of pressure on. He was a fun guy to have along. If you didn't feel very confident about how the Browns were going to do on a Sunday game coming up, all you had to do was sit in on Rob's press conference on like a Thursday afternoon when the coordinators would meet with the local media here, and you'd walk out of there and say, I don't think that the opposing team is going to score a point on the Browns this Sunday because he was always a very, very confident guy, very aggressive, uh, really fun guy to be around. I think his players really enjoyed playing for him. I mean, they really were very, very close to him, and I'm sure it's the same situation in New Orleans. But I just remember that he loved to dial up the blitzes, and they would be, he would really kind of draw up some exotic blitzes. And I remember that day that the Browns were down in the Superdome. Colt McCoy was the quarterback that day for the Browns, and, and they came up with a whale of a plan that day. Scott Fujita came back to kind of – really uh, go after his old team that day and they they had a I think they had four interceptions in that day in that game that day and it was really a big win for them at the time yeah there were four picks and Fujita did have an unbelievable game there's no doubt about that um you mentioned the draft just a few moments ago and certainly Drew Brees uh has his eyeball on eighth overall selection that's Justin Gilbert and that defensive secondary for the Browns what's unique about them and why I guess yeah, are they garnering the attention of the Saints quarterback so closely? Well, Joe Hayden's a great cornerback. He really is former top draft choice of them up the Browns out of the University of Florida. And it was a you know, it was a really a solid pick. A pick that, you know, you just make the pick and you say, Okay, that guy's gonna be over there in that corner for a lot of years and that's how it's playing out. So I think he's fast becoming one of the really top cornerbacks in the NFL. So he kinda leads the way. They went out and they got Dante Whitner in the off season, the safety from from the San Francisco 49ers, who grew up in Cleveland, played at, uh, at Glenville High School that has sent a lot of great players to you know, major colleges, programs, and also into the NFL. So he comes back, and he kind of knows the tradition of the Browns and would like to be a part of a player and a, that could come in and help the defense become a really elite defense in the NFL. So the secondary's been bolstered. Now, you think about Justin Gilbert, and they were very excited to pick him, uh, they traded out of the number four spot that went down to number nine and then traded back up to number eight to make that selection. And that's the guy that Mike Patton wanted. He felt that the Browns needed a corner to go on the other side of Joe Hayden. And I think he was right about that. But Justin's having a tough time. I mean, the Steelers really went after him last Sunday and, and picked on him. And, and I'm sure Drew Brees being the really, you know, computer chip mind that he has back there in that, in that Saints huddle and in that uh, pocket, he's going to probably look his way too. So he's just going through the normal 
tough baptism that a rookie cornerback goes through coming into the NFL, but I, they really do believe that, you know, once he gets his feet and his confidence underneath him, he's got amazing athletic skills. Part of his skills the Browns aren't even tapping into, which is he, he's a great return guy, but they really don't want to lose him there. But he's having a little bit of a tough time right now, but it's a, it's a secondary that they put a lot of money into with high draft choice, uh, free agent help, and uh, I think it's, you know, it's on the right. It was certainly a problem for them last year, and I think that they've bettered it coming into the season this year. Voice of the Browns, Jim Donovan with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, Jim, I get the same national nonsense about your quarterback situation that I guess that everybody else does. So I want to hear from you. I want to know what your take is on the Cleveland Browns quarterback situation. Well, Brian Hoyer, is, uh, he's a Cleveland kid, like Dante Whitner that I just spoke about. I mean, he grew up in Cleveland, played at a very famous high school program, St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland. And I think that, you know, a lot of people have always rooted for Brian when he went on to Michigan State and then when he, you know, kind of hooked on with Tom Brady and the New England Patriots and people have followed his career. He was a bright light in a dark season last year when he came in and really you know, surprised everybody and made the Browns' offense look terrific with wins at Minnesota and against Cincinnati. And then in a Thursday night game, he came out and he tore his knee up against the Buffalo Bills and suffered a really nasty ACL tear. And so he was lost for the year. So everybody just said, basically, once he rehabs and gets ready to go, he will be the starting quarterback for the Browns, and it will be a great story, and it is a good story. And then all of a sudden, they draft Johnny Manziel, and that changed the landscape a great deal because of Johnny Football coming to Cleveland. So I think that Brian went into this uh, training camp realizing that the job was his to lose, and I have to tell you, he almost lost it. He really had kind of an up-and-down and mostly down preseason but they went, uh, you know, they, they bent to the side of a guy that has more experience than Manziel, and they gave him back the starting job. And he played pretty well in the second half last week against Pittsburgh. But I have to tell you, they, they were so poor, and he was not very good in the first half in that game against the Steelers. They were down 27-3 to at the half. That I really felt that he was one more three and out at the start of the third quarter away from being lifted, and Johnny Manziel probably could have gone in. So Manziel is there waiting to get in. And, you know, there are people that want him to get in very quickly, but I think the Browns want to hold him back a little bit because it is a big adjustment for him. Uh, but at some point, Johnny Manziel is going to take over this job. And Brian Hoyer, to, to be fair, really is kind of keeping the seat warm right now. Wow, interesting take. If the Browns go 0-2, does the, does the noise get really loud in Cleveland? It depends on how it goes. I will say this, Sean, that if the Browns go 0-3, then they have their bye week right after their third game against Baltimore. And a lot of people before the season and watching Hoyer struggle a little bit in the preseason said, if there was a time that you could sit back and say might be the right time to do it, if the team gets off to a winless start at 0-3, goes into their bye week, and then they go to Tennessee, that might be the time that Manziel would get his first look. But... We're not there yet, and uh, we'll see how Brian plays on Sunday. As I said, he comes off a good second half against the Steelers, but it was a rough start in the first half. Jim, when you open your broadcast on Sunday, what are the storylines that you'll hit right away for Browns and Saints? Well, I think what we're going to take a look at for the Browns is uh, two young, exciting rookie running backs that are now really going to be pressed into service and gave the Browns a very unexpected running game against the Steelers last Sunday. And they are Terrence West, who was a third-round pick out of Towson, Tiny Towson. 
And uh, Isaiah Crowell, who was undrafted, uh, he was the SEC freshman of the year when he was in college at Georgia. He ran into some off-the-field difficulties at school there. He left that school. He went to Alabama State. He ripped up that league there. Uh, but he has been amazing uh, when he has gotten into the game. His first two touches in the NFL, two touchdown runs against the Steelers at Heinz Field. So the Browns are really, as much as you know, a lot of people throw it around now in the NFL, the Browns really want to settle the game down, play really good defense, and run the football and kind of try and control the game that way. And if they're going to do that, they're going to have to do it with two rookie running backs coming into this game because Ben Tate will not play in the game. He has a sprained knee. And I think then the overall theme is, boy, we've been 0-2 too many times. We don't want to go 0-2 at the start of this year because it's really, even though you're only two weeks in, it's like you're 10 games in when you're winless. And we've experienced that too many times here in Cleveland. Good stuff. Hey, Jim, you have to realize that those of us here in New Orleans are all about the experience, and you're going to have some Saints fans coming your way this weekend. So I'll ask as we finish up here, give me, give me one restaurant and one thing to do in Cleveland that Saints fans who are traveling should not pass up on. Well, I would say that, uh, you know, it's only about uh, 500 yards away from the stadium, but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, is really good, and it's a lot of fun to go to. Downtown Cleveland has really perked up in the last two years. Uh, as far as the great restaurant, I would say XO, right in the middle of Public Square, would be a great place to go. It would be hard to get a better steak than, than if you uh, didn't go to XO. I mean, it's just a great, great place. So the heart, the, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that would be a great place to go. It's got a lot of great history, and it is what it is. It's the history of rock and roll. Yep, uh, you're right. You hit two great ones. I remember being there to broadcast when they first opened. And by the way, XO... Uh, very good restaurant. Better bring your wallet, I hear. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, no question about it. He's a three-time Emmy Award winner. He is the voice of the Browns and in the sports institution, not only on radio but television, too, in Cleveland. Jim Donovan, our guest here on Black and Blue Report. Jim, I'm anxious to uh, see you in person this weekend. All the best, and I appreciate the visit today. Well, thanks. It was great talking to you. All right, from one Jim to another, Jim Henderson, voice of the Saints, joins us right after this. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Ticket plans for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. There's a variety of packages for all fans featuring half-season and 12-game options, including the ever-popular weekend plan that averages a couple of games a month. Packages start as low as $185. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and take flight with your Pelicans today. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Our visits with the voices continues. Again, thanks to Jim Donovan of the Cleveland Browns. And as we mentioned before the break, one Jim leads to another. And Jim Henderson, the voice of the Saints, joins us from the undisclosed secret location where he is busy preparing for the Sunday broadcast here on this Thursday. Hello, Jim. 
Hello, Sean. I'm in the bunker. Yes, I knew that, and uh, your secret is safe with me. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad that all is well in the bunker, and it's always interesting, Jim, when, when two of the NFL's Century Division lock horns on Sunday yeah. in Cleveland. I remember when they were in the Century Division together. I remember it very well. The Browns were my team growing up. I, I love the Cleveland Browns. We used to get their games every week, and I would drive home from college just to get into the viewing area so I could watch them each Sunday. So I love the Browns. In that old stadium, I've sat in the first row. I've sat in the last row. I think I've sat behind most of the uh, the stanchions and, and the support beams. And uh, in the old days, you know, they used to have preseason double headers there. And I remember going to one of those. I think it was the year that Joe Namath was a rookie with the Jets. Wow. I remember when they pushed the old stadium into the lake and made an artificial reef out of it. I was actually there when they started that process. Huh. That, uh, you know, it's a quite, an imp- quite an improvement with this new stadium. In fact, they're just, uh, just reading they're in the midst of renovating it. They're supposed to have these gorgeous video boards now and improved audio systems, so it should be pretty much state-of-the-art right now. There seems to be two different stories on why the Cleveland Browns are called the Cleveland Browns, and since you grew up as a Browns fan, maybe you should tell us which one we should believe. Well, you know, I don't know if there are. Uh, you probably know more about that than I. Obviously, Paul Brown was the founding uh, coach of the team and, and was the, the, the man behind it for so long. I do recall that the, the term taxi squad emanated in Cleveland because guys who didn't make the team were, were put, to get, uh, put to work driving taxis for this company. But what's the other story about how the Browns became the Browns? The, the other story that floats around out there is that they, the Browns came from the Brown Bombers, and uh, that's, uh, of course, an homage to Joe Lewis, which I didn't, I didn't oh. know he was from the Cleveland area. Yeah, I think he. I think he was. That's true. Yeah, I did not know that. You've enlightened me once more. This is a first, right here in week two. <laughs> this is a first. Um, you know, we mentioned the, the 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 connection with the Century Division, which goes all the way back to what the late '60s, I guess it is, Jim. But um, there is a connection in a way here between the Browns and the Saints, in that the last time the two met, it was the Browns who won with Rob Ryan on one side of the ball. And then Sean yep. Payton and Drew Brees' first win together, of course, as everybody knows, was in 06 against the Browns. So for a team that the Saints don't see all that often, uh, there seems to be a few links here. Yeah, there are, and there, there's some memorable games in, in, this, uh, in this rivalry, even though these two, two teams have only met, I think, 16 times in their history, but this is before you were ever around. But um, back in 87, when the Pope visited New Orleans, and of course that was a big time, the Saints won against Bernie Kosar and the Browns uh, in the Superdome. That was a memorable game. I remember Lindsey Scott making an impact on the game in the old Cleveland Stadium. One of the few times he ever did uh, as a Saint wide receiver and a number one draft choice. I think Morton Anderson won that game with a long field goal. So there have been some fairly memorable games, even though these two teams don't see each other very often. And boy, this is a hard game for me to prepare for because this is a pretty much a faceless team. I was looking back to uh, my depth charts from 2010. I only count three guys on this Browns team that were a member uh, of that team back in 2010. It's crazy how much turnover they've had, and Jim Donovan alluded to that, and that includes, of course, uh, in the coaching position as well, as they've got a new head coach with Mike Pettin this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mike Pettin seems like an interesting guy. I'd read a really interesting book uh, in the offseason about this guy who was embedded uh, he actually wasn't a sports writer, but he was embedded with the New York Jets and with Rex Ryan and with Mike Pettin as the defensive coordinator there. It's a book called Collision Low Crossers, kind of a, a weird name for a book, but it's about, all about punishing receivers when they come over the middle. And Mike Pettin seems like a guy who's 
really driven, totally driven. And of course, he worked under Rex, and um, they had a pretty good relationship, though he moved on last year to Buffalo just for a single year before getting the Browns head coaching job. They call him Blunt Force Trauma, so he is a, uh, he's a hands-on coach, and he looks like he could still play. It's interesting that, you know, all these uh, defensive uh, notes that you have with regard to him and everything else, they sure have invested a lot in their defensive secondary, and I'm curious as to how long it will take them to become a defensive-minded Mike Pettin-type football team. Probably not long, because uh, you look at this offense, and it's very limited, especially without Josh Gordon, and it looks like their best player uh, after him on offense, Jordan Cameron, uh, may not play in this game with a, a bad shoulder. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a, a team that probably will invest heavily in defense and become a defensive-minded team until they can catch up somewhat offensively. And Obviously, they've addressed their cornerback situation and uh, trading up to uh, – uh, select Justin Gilbert with the eighth pick in the first round out of Oklahoma State. He had his troubles last week, apparently, against Pittsburgh, so I think the Saints will be working on him. Yeah, they picked on him pretty good last week. You know, you mentioned kind of a faceless team at the moment. There are some names that are going to emerge, but be honest with me. Did you quietly or maybe even outwardly hope that Johnny Manziel would be the starting quarterback when you saw the when the uh, schedule came out and then the draft happened? You know, I don't know if I wish that he was, but I was pretty—I was pretty sure that he would be. Uh, with Brian Hoyer coming off the injury and the investment they made in Johnny Manziel, I can remember at the draft uh, trying to look ahead to the schedule and saying, you know, boy, it'd be really interesting. This could be a tough game for the Saints because they're coming off that road game against Atlanta, and the Browns are opening at Pittsburgh. Boy, if Johnny Manziel were to beat the Steelers there, and uh, they've lost so often to the Brown or to the Steelers. If they were to come home, home opener in the dog pound with Johnny Manziel as the starting quarterback, what an atmosphere that will be. And now it looks pretty much unlikely that he'll get off the bench on Sunday. Yeah, I think that you're right. Although it's interesting, Jim Donovan felt like that Hoyer was one series away last week from being benched in favor of Manziel, and then he turned it around the second half. And, Jim, they did so by running the football and really using almost what you'd call a, a hurry-up offense. I'm curious as to how much you think we'll see of that this weekend. I would expect you'd see it. Um, Hoyer describes himself as a, a rhythm and timing thrower, and oftentimes when you go to a, a hurry-up offense, you can get into that r- rhythm. Sometimes you've seen the Saints do that. Uh, when they're having some troubles offensively, you might see, see them try to speed things up, not to the extent that probably the Browns did last week, but oftentimes that can kind of jumpstart your offense and, and get it into the rhythm that maybe it was missing prior to that. Yeah, he was horrible in the first half, 4 of 11 for 57 yards, and then he turned it around in the second half with four straight drives of touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. We've talked a lot, Jim Henderson, about you know the Browns and what lies ahead for them, and obviously no Ben Tate, but... You know, we saw the small school guy start running back for them in that second half attack. Let me just flip you real quick to the Saints side and just, I guess, leave it wide open to is what your thoughts are after losing to Atlanta and what the Saints have in front of them this weekend. Well, you know, Sean, I think my, my theme as I uh, prepare the opening notes for this game and prepare the open is that it's interesting. Both of these teams lost to their most bitter rival on the last play of the game on a field goal, the Saints in overtime, the Browns. Uh, to the Steelers in regulation. But it's interesting now uh, you, you hear the Browns talking about a confidence-building loss, and you look at the Saints, and it's probably a confidence-eroding loss to the, the Falcons because I think they feel like they let one slip away. Meanwhile, the Browns are heartened by the fact that they came back so strongly against the Steelers. They look at the Saints losing to the Falcons, 
and now suddenly the Saints look far more beatable considering the way the Browns played last week and the way the Saints played. It's, yeah, that's very interesting. And so with that being said, Jim, do you expect it to be a, a close game this weekend or something of a different ilk? Well, I would certainly hope it wouldn't be close because if it's not the Saints win handily, I don't see the Browns blowing out the Saints with their limited firepower and the problems they've got in their passing game. They'll, they'll have to rely on their running game, and obviously they'll go to that very often early. In the absence of Ben Tate, they still got those two rookies that played so well, as you said last week. So for, you, you certainly think the Browns will be out to establish the running game, and if they can against the Saints, and then they can go to that controlled passing game. You know, one thing I'm going to be keeping my eye on this game, Sean, is is – do the Browns attempt something of a fake um, in the in the kicking game? You know, lots of times when you when you think that you're outmanned on the offensive side of the ball, you'll try to steal a possession. And we only have to look back to that 2010 game that was here when the Browns totally shocked the Saints and beat them 30 to 17. I recall, I think it was a lateral on a kickoff, and then they had their punter run a fake punt. He went 68 yards against the Saints in the second quarter. I'm looking at my notes. That's the longest rush by a punter since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970, and we've seen the Saints in the past be, be susceptible on special teams to fake. So um, I think that's something to keep your eye on. It may never happen, but I could see the Browns in the sort of posture where they might try that and try to steal a possession keep keep the ball away from the Saints in that regard. Ooh, good storyline there. Good note. I like that. Hey, speaking of storylines that are kind of, you know, kind of off-center a little bit or at least a sidebar, the fact that the Saints have not played an outdoor game since last season. Are we just to the point in the NFL where there's enough domes and retractable roofs that this is not a story anymore, or is this something that's a little weird? Well, you know, everybody talks about the Saints' inability to win on the road, the inability to win on natural grass, the inability to win in cold weather, and they hope they put that all behind them with the victory last year against Philadelphia in the playoffs, but as soon as they lost to the Falcons, uh, last week, people were already dredging that back up. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. Uh, it looks like it's going to be 61 degrees up in Cleveland. It doesn't get much better than that in late September. So it, it ought to be fun, or mid-September, I guess. So I don't think weather will be a factor. Natural grass won't be a factor. Uh, you were there yesterday when Drew was asked that question about um, the most difficult thing to, to counteract when you're on the road. He said communication. And uh, I thought the I thought the Georgia Dome was extremely loud last Sunday. As loud as I, I can ever remember it. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, yeah, and I think probably um, it's first Energy Stadium now in Cleveland. That'll probably be pretty loud too, being the home opener. And um, boy, you don't want those fans in the dog pound to get behind this team to any great degree. And you often see in in this kind of situation, you know, when you've got a team that's an underdog, and I think the Browns are six point underdogs. But you let them keep their stay in the game and get their heads up and uh, get some momentum going, and uh, sometimes it's very difficult to beat a team in that situation. Good points. Jim Henderson with us here on the Black and Blue Report. As always, Jim, uh, I'd like to end on a lighter note, if you don't mind. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, the Saints and the Browns will be playing down the street from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, there in Been Cleveland, there. Ohio. Yes. Uh, if you were to start your own Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Jim Henderson, who would be the first three to five inductees in your mind? I mean, well, I think the Beatles might be a good choice. See, I grew up in the the British era of the 60s. So I think the Beatles would be right up there. Probably the Rolling Stones, Elvis Presley, and uh, Buddy Holly. A lot of people trace the roots to Buddy Holly and Little Richard. How's that? I like it. That's solid. There you go. And uh, I should ask you one more question before we go. Uh, because Kiss uh, is a most recent uh, inductee of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Saints fans should know that there is an ongoing exhibit honoring Kiss at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this weekend. 
Jim Henderson, can you name me at least one member of the band Kiss? Gene Simmons. Very good. I see. I, the old stump the band trick, and I couldn't pull it off. <laughs> hey, one more, one more thing before I let you go. Yes, sir. You know, I, I was reading uh, the story about Sean Payton buying those hundred. Uh, Devin still jerseys at a hundred dollars a piece. You know the proceeds are going to go to pediatric cancer research and and care. And I, I wonder if it, the Saints couldn't do something along those lines with Steve Gleason's number thirty-seven and market those with all the all the proceeds going to ALS. I think that'd be something worthwhile uh, exploring. I ab- I absolutely agree with you. And uh, and you're just the guy to help us lead the charge. But I will help in any way that I can. Um, Good. How how best can we kick this off as we? you know, brainstorm here in the middle of a podcast? Well, I have to admit to you, I've already put this in front of some people with the Saints in, in the front office, and they, they took it very quickly and ran with it and said they'd put it in the right people's hands to explore it. Uh, I don't know how soon it could be done or if it ever could be done, but I think it'd be really worthy of that. And, you know, I have, uh, I've never bought a jersey, and if they sold these for $100, mm-hmm. uh, I would be the first person in line. And that's, that's the one jersey of the Saints that I would ever consider wearing, just because I don't feel it appropriate when you're a member of the broadcast team to try to try to latch on to the fact that you're somehow close to the team. But I would wear a number 37 very proudly, and I hope other people would too. I agree. I agree. Let's talk more about this next Thursday, and uh, keep us updated, and we'll, we'll see if we can aggressively get this thing going. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Sean. Perfect. Jim, Jim Henderson, voice of the Saints, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. His call, of course, on Sunday afternoon all along the Saints radio network we're going to visit with paris harrelson in the saints locker room in just a moment as we continue on this thursday edition of the black and blue report at the auctioneer hospital for children no matter where you turn you're surrounded by bravery children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years parents working hard to keep the worry from their face doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Well, the man who wears number 98 for the New Orleans Saints is linebacker Paris Harrelson. He played, of course, his college ball at Tennessee, and he came to the Saints last year. Now is a big part of the rotation for Rob Ryan's defense. Uh, native of Madison, Mississippi. Yes, that's right. I guess we call him local, wouldn't we? Yeah, Madison, Mississippi. Paris Harrelson, our guest from yesterday's locker room here today on the Black and Blue Report. I want to learn something, and I want to learn a little more about week one to week two. Mm-hmm. What's it like, you know, as far as taking the good, keeping it going, taking the maybe not so good, and fixing it? I mean, that's one. That's gonna always be something you do, man. Like I said. Uh, one of the things you got to do is be ready to um, go in and improve each and every week. And you look at the film and look at the things that you made a mistake on, and you work on those things, and then you go into the game plan. You try to keep the things that you did well. You still work on those things, and it's all about getting better each and every week. What's the, what's the best way to take something that you all notice on film and put it into, say, a practice period 
as far as taking it from film room mm -hmm. to field and then kind of putting it all together. It's one of you talking about as far as corrections? Yeah, just and it, whether it's a, a schematic thing or even just a physical fundamental thing. I mean, it's always, you always watch film to see what you can do better. And once you pick up some, some things on film, you always have those peers. You go out and you can work on those things. That's what practice is for. You go out and work on the things that you need to work on. And the things that you want to get corrected, you go out and you see them against different looks or different <clears throat> formations or, you know, how you would play it. So it's one of those things. It's, it's always, it's a constant thing of getting better. You either getting better or you getting worse. And you getting worse, you know what happened to you. Exactly. With regard to the Atlanta game, what, what were some of the things that you all could sit in the, in the position group room and say, aha, got it, okay, and what were some of the things that you need to take that out on the practice field and, and work you know, on it a little bit? Anytime you go in the game, man, you, especially a game, you, and you know like I've been doing this for a while, and anytime you lose a game, every other mistake is magnified. Mm -hmm. So um, it's one of those things, you, you, you take every mistake that you made. You can go in, there's a lot of things you go in, you work on communication, work on tackling, um, you can work on you can work on um, as far as uh, fundamentals like getting off blocks, all kind of different things. You can take it as far as, as tackling up to actual communication. So it's always things you can go in and work on. Familiarize myself, if you don't mind, with fullback Paris Harrelson. Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 one of those things I don't really know, man. I just uh, I try to do what I can do, man, as far as, as, far as you know, whatever I'm asked to do is if it's going to help the team win, and I go in and do it. And that's, I mean, that's something that they wanted to do. and. I mean, I tried to do it to the best of my ability and learn it, and that's basically it. Coach simply just said, well, let, let's just look at his size and go from there. But, you know, let's give you a little credit. There's got to be a little more to it, right? I mean, yeah, I guess. You know, he's <laughs> going in and, and blocking for the guy and having to get the touchdown. That's basically it. <laughs> when was the last time you played on the offensive side of the football? Offense. Never? Uh, Not even in high school? I don't know. In high school, I've been number 98 since high school, so. I've never had an offensive number. I've never been on offense. What was the conversation like when they came to you and said, hey, we got this idea, goal line? Well, he told me, he said, we're going to play you as some fullback. And I, I thought he was joking with me, but, you know, we got out there and worked on it. I was like, I asked him, I said, y'all think he's going to really call it? They were like, yeah. And he called it. <laughs> so that's basically it. You've always struck me as kind of a cool under fire, not get real rattled kind of guy. Uh, Were there any nerves at all being on that side of the football? I mean, yeah, it was some nerves, exactly, because I wanted to make sure I heard the call and got it right. But, I mean, it was one of those things that I, I, I kind of understand football and what to do. And, you know, it's one of those, you, you go in and you do your job and you always do it to the best of your ability. Help me scout Cleveland a little bit. What do you see across the way with regard to the Browns? I mean, you see a good team. They had a tough loss last, um, last week, but if you notice they came back. They were down big and they came back. Uh, quarterbacks playing well. Offensive line is a, a good, solid offensive line that works well together. Um, one of the top ones in the league. You know, I hadn't watched a lot of their defense, but I know they have a solid defense on the side of the ball. They have a uh, running back that's running the ball hard and making people miss. So they have two good running backs in Tate and this younger guy. Um, the receivers, uh, they have a tight end that you have to look out for too. Their tight end is a, a playmaker. So they have some playmakers. They're able to score points. And it's one of those things you have to go in. It's going to be a tough game. They cranked up the tempo a lot in the second half. I don't know what if you want to call it hurry up or what, but it was it was up there. Now, Paris, their coach and their quarterback both said on Monday that they don't think they could sustain that for four quarters. But as good as they were in the second half, do you almost have to prepare for them to be that way? You always have to be in going and prepare for everything, man. It's one of those situations I think you have to be prepared for, but you also have to prepare for some of the other things that they showed you. So. Um, it's been a, you know, it's going to be one of those weeks of practice where you have to be honed in on your P's and Q's and be prepared for whatever they throw at you. Do you like tempo like that, or do you like it to be kind of more subdued during plays? I mean, you know, it, 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 it's, it's really not my call. I just have to be ready for whichever one they do. Good. I appreciate the visit. I appreciate you. Yep. Great visit with Paris Harrelson. Of course, the black and gold back on the practice field outside today. Hot. Whew. 
but preparing outside because the game on Sunday is outside. Their first outdoor game since last season. We'll wrap up this uh, Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Individual game tickets for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. Make sure to score your tickets early to check out the biggest matchups and see the biggest stars of the NBA. The best seats for premier games are going to go fast. Visit pelicans.com and take flight with your Pelicans today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. If you're catching the Black and Blue Report prior to 3 o'clock Central on this Thursday, uh, 3 o'clock is the time that we'll see the latest injury report for the Browns and the Saints as we get a little closer to the football game on Sunday. If you're, of course, uh, listening after 3, you probably have already seen it, and uh, I'll be interested to see how the uh, injury report, at least on the Saints side, differs from yesterday, or maybe not at all, but certainly of note yesterday, Kenny Still still limited with a quad injury, Curtis Lofton limited with a... Uh, shoulder injury, and also Keenan Lewis listed as limited yesterday, but all did participate in the Saints workout on Wednesday. For the Browns, Ben Tate, we already know that their uh, lead running back is out for Sunday's game, and there may be more changes on their injury report this afternoon as well. Hey, big thanks to our guests today, Jim Donovan, voice of the Cleveland Browns, Jim Henderson, voice of the Saints, Paris Harrelson as well. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow on Friday for the Black and Blue Report. We'll be very close to that weekend, and even closer to a home game. By the way, this is only the fourth time in franchise history that the Saints have opened their season with two road games. So that uh, home game one week from Sunday against the Vikings will uh, taste all that much more sweet after we've had to wait and wait and wait to get the guys back in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Don't forget, check out the afternoon wrap on NewOrleansSaints.com later today. Don't, for all, don't forget also to check out the website for that football safety clinic being hosted by the Saints on Monday. And then we'll see you right back here tomorrow from Studio B for the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.